Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Okay, my chickens, you guys are going to be so excited about this podcast interview, but everybody should like lay down and rest while they listen to it because we are here to talk about resting and hustling and diet culture and all the things. I'm having a conversation with my amazing internet friend, at least, Carolyn Dooner, who many of you have read her book, The Fuck It Diet. In fact, it is one of the books I give out in my advanced certification in feminist coaching along with books by Bell Hooks and other amazing authors. So it's good company to be in. And Carolyn has a new book called Tired as Fuck because consistent branding is important. And so (laughs) we are going to talk about it. So I actually, I was thinking when I was thinking about this conversation, this is like the perfect time for me to talk to you about this because I've been thinking about this a lot. So I had this plan originally to take off most of January. I was going to like not work in January. And then of course, by the time I developed this plan, I had already like scheduled this podcast interviews and various things. So it was like, okay, I'm just going to work like these three days in January. Right. And then my partner and I got Omicron because everybody in New York got Omicron, right? right? Despite having been like so careful this whole, not, I mean, public health is not a matter of personal responsibility, but we were also being very careful and nevertheless. So then I had Omicron. So then that pushed things back. And then I like watched how quickly even the time I did take off, which ended up being like one week and then I'll take off one more week. How quickly that time like got spent on things, got planned on things. It was like even somebody like me who has the privilege and luxury of being able to in some ways set my own schedule. And if I decide I want to take a month off, we just figure out how the business will work. Like I don't have to ask anyone's permission. And yet it's still difficult to even get to take time off to actually rest. So that's one of the reasons I feel like I am more than ever. I'm like, oh yeah, this really also is like a mindset and orientation problem as well as a structural problem. Yes, I'm like, that's what we need to talk about. Okay. So tell the people anything about yourself that I did not get to. Well, I consider myself an author, but like, what are you? I guess I'm (laughs) technically an author and that's pretty much it. You know, storyteller, humorist, someone who spends way too much time on Instagram, you know, I've always loved to write, but I really kind of took off when I started writing about the fuck it diet, when I was taking myself through my own healing journey with food, the things I was learning about health at every size, that's what really blew my mind. And that's what I was like, why don't we know this? Why is this like secret information that you only learn if you are going through some sort of disordered eating or eating disorder? And you find the right people because not even everyone in that world is on board. So it was just like this extremely important information that I was learning. It was changing my life. I started writing about it, was writing this blog called The Fuck It Diet. And that grew into what became The Fuck It Diet book. So that was all like that started 10 years ago. I started my Fuck It Diet 10 years ago, started writing 10 years ago, five years into it, which would be five years ago. At this point, I got extremely burnt out. Mm hmm. And, you know, I had to overhaul. And the the biggest thing was that I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand that it was burnout. You know, I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that I just had to push harder and find a biohack or, or I knew at that point, thankfully, at that point I was like in anti-diet mindset. So 
but that's what I'd done for so long. Yeah, yeah. So long, I was like, well, there must be some supplement I can take, some self-help book that I can, you know, get to make me feel less. Because before it reached exhaustion, it was apathy. It was like dread. Mm. It was like, oh my God, like looking at my schedule, like, oh, I just like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. (laughs) And that is like this big misunderstanding I don't think we understand as a culture how burnout can manifest. It often manifests as listlessness and irritability and apathy, a difficulty focusing. Wait, so can we back up for a second? What do you think burnout is? Like when we're talking about burnout, what is that category of thing? I think it is a physical and mental, emotional, whole body. Mm-hmm. Giving up's the wrong word, but breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, for me, I assumed you could only be burnt out if you had like a stereotypical, like 80 hour work week, mm-hmm. you've been doing that for three years and you burn out and you need mm-hmm. to go lie on a beach for a month <laughs> and then you're okay. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I thought it was. So when it happened to me, I was, I didn't think it was burnout. I was like, what's wrong with me? You know? that person over there is doing way more than me. So it can't be burnout. Mm -hmm. What I learned and what I realized pretty quickly is that the emotional mental toll and emotional and mental exhaustion can also burn you out Mm -hmm. and it can be a slow leak. For me, it was something that actually happened over 15 years of Mm -hmm. just never, ever, 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 ever feeling like I was allowed to relax. Even if I was like, okay, I'm taking the day off or I'm going to take the weekend off the whole time. I was like, Oh, I I really shouldn't be. And like the mental like anguish and torture. So the approach to heal can't just be lying on a beach though. That's great. It's like, awesome. You know, the physical (laughs) part is awesome too. Speak for yourself. I hate (laughs) depending on your your mileage may vary going to exactly. Paris well, that's the other thing. It's going to be different for everyone. Everyone has a different cause. Everyone has a different situation. Everyone has different things in their life that are potentially depleting them. And so if you find yourself in a similar position, you can't possibly do exactly what I did. You have to take stock of your own situation and figure out where in your life are you misaligned? Cause that's a huge thing too. If you're in the wrong relationship, wrong job, wrong career, have all these beliefs about yourself that are extremely stressful, that can lead to burnout as well. And it does. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if I were going to like frame what you're describing in the way that in sort of the framework of how I teach and what we talk about on this podcast, I think like the place where we overlap and what we're talking about is, and whatever this, you know, experience is, which we're calling burnout, the sort of level of physical, mental, emotional exhaustion in which like you end up feeling like listless or apathetic or like, you know, not wanting to participate in even the things like you put things on your schedule as you think you want to do them. And then you feel that like dread of it. Burnout is not a like one size fits all condition, one size fits all cause or one size fits all cure. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that mental part is so important because what people often do is like, right. Like I just have to take vacation or I just have to like take time off or I don't like you. There are people who are in the scheme of things, not necessarily even working that many hours or having this experience. And then we look at the people who are working 80 hours and feel great. And then we think there must be something wrong with us. Right. Right. But it's not a one-to-one. There are people who work 80 hours a week all the time and feel great. And that really is a good fit for them and the way they're thinking about it. So I think 
I'm always talking about the idea that if you take your, you know, changing your circumstance is not going to be what solves it. Like you take yourself on vacation with all your thoughts about how you're being lazy and selfish and shouldn't be resting and you aren't good enough and you need to think about work and like, it's not going to solve your problem. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yes. how, what parallel you see, you talk about the parallel between diet culture in the book and kind of hustle culture. So I'd love, mm-hmm. I think my listeners are very familiar with diet culture, but possibly have thought less about hustle culture. Although I talk about kind of productivity as a capitalist patriarchy problem quite a right. bit, but right. so tell us how you see those things. Yeah. So, you know, one of the big things when I was trying to unlearn diet culture was this revelation that what I had thought about myself for so long that I was this irresponsible, horrible food addict who could not get herself together when what was really going on was hunger (laughs) and (laughs) like these very, very basic, basic (laughs) things where it's like, I thought that I was the problem and didn't realize that it was the state that I was putting myself into that was making me feel this way. Mm-hmm. It was such a parallel to when mm. I was so burnt out and I realized, oh my God, I could call myself lazy. And I have for years, I could call myself lazy and irresponsible. But what is happening is that I am fucking exhausted. Mm-hmm. And in a culture that doesn't understand it, doesn't honor it, you know, has this one size fits all approach. Well, you know, this guy was able to thrive on four I'm Mount Kilimanjaro and his time yes, off from his exactly. job as an ER doctor. Exactly. Right. And again, just like you said, there are people who absolutely 100% thrive with that kind of a life and that kind of a constant everything. Though I will say, I would guess that at least some of those people are also running. <laughs> from oh, their own totally. Shit, yes. You know, yeah. but I do genuinely, I was talking to someone the other day about this and they were like, yeah, well, you're essentially like describing what a projector needs. I don't know if you know anything about oh, human, human design. design. Yeah, well, I don't know much though. When I read what a projector was, I was like, oh, needs a lot of rest, <laughs> like all of these things where it's yeah. like, yeah, but like case in point, we are all different. We have different modes that we need to operate in. And it's not to say that the people who can handle a lot more won't also get get burnt out because we're all pretty much pushing ourselves to our own limits. That's what we're expected to do. And it really can be a recipe for disaster. But the big, big parallel to me between diet culture and hustle culture, and I actually do see diet culture as kind of a subset Mm. Of, of hustle culture. It's this like perfectionistic. If you just try, right. if you just do it, perfectly, hustle yourself you to, get a good, there. to the right body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'd unpacked so much of that stuff and totally changed my life, changed the way I saw everything. And then when I got to this place of burnout, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm still doing this similar thing. Mm-hmm. I still have all these beliefs about myself and what I'm supposed to be doing and what I should be doing and how much I should be able to handle in every other area of my life, specifically career, because I had been running my own business for five years. You know, I was like doing this hustle thing, Mm -hmm. which again, nothing wrong with it. I learned so much. If I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. But there came a point where I was like, okay, you learned a lot and you did a lot, but is this going to work? is this mode actually going to work for you long-term or is it even going to work for you in the next two years being as like totally exhausted as you are? And the answer was no. And very similar to 
healing from diet culture, which in my opinion and experience requires this like phase of overcorrection, Mm -hmm. this extreme hunger, so to speak, that a lot of people experience and this like real need to kind of prove to your body and your mind that you are truly going to feed it. You are truly on your body's team and you're not going to put it on another diet in, you know, six weeks after you have a little experiment of eating food. Like you really have to go through this healing phase that can feel really extreme to people. It really eventually does lead to something that looks and feels a lot more like balance. That was what I hoped (laughs) would be true Mm -hmm. about what I embarked on, which was what I called my two years of rest. Two years. Now, did I lie in bed for two years? No, absolutely. I definitely not. could lie in bed for at least six weeks, I think. Personally. Yeah, you probably could. And and it would be that like extreme pendulum swing of being like, look, I'm fucking tired. I, I am. And you know what you were saying in the beginning about you wanting to take off January and then life happened. What's interesting is that first year of my quote unquote rest, I did so much. And I didn't intend to, it was not my intention. My intention was to seriously pare down my life. It was the age of Marie Kondo. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I had just spark joy. Exactly. So I had just decluttered my closet and my Uh apartment and it literally led to me starting to declutter clothes that I would wear to go to auditions to act. And Mm. I was like, okay, all of them. (laughs) Okay. Guess and I'm I was going like, to audition, I guess. Then. Okay. I guess maybe I'm going to declutter acting too, because that's actually mm-hmm. one of the like top fucking depleting stressors in my life. And that was an example of these expectations that I'd taken on. Well, mm-hmm. everyone says I'm really good. Oh, well, you know, I really do like it sometimes. Blah, 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 blah. I got an agent when I got it. I have to do it. I can't let people down. I have to be impressive. All this shit. And I was mm-hmm. miserable, mm-hmm. you know, but I was like, I can't you know, let myself down. I can't, it was all like the stuff that I'd taken on and it took me really getting to a point where I was not okay. You know, like not able to continue functioning the way that I was trying to function to be like, let's reprioritize. And mm-hmm. and what do you really want your life to look like? And what do you really want your day-to-day experiences to be? Do you want to wake up feeling dread or do you want to wake up actually enjoying what you have to do? So I was like, okay, I think I have to declutter other parts of my life. Mm -hmm. I have to declutter the shit that I'm forcing myself to do that I don't have the energy to do right now. Maybe I'll have the energy to do it in a couple of years. I don't know. But right now I don't, and it doesn't spark joy. So I literally did a decluttering of everything in my life. And I moved out of New York, which was something I never thought that I would do, but I was like, I know what I need to do right now for my own like well-being. I need to be in a place where I can afford to do a little bit less mm-hmm. for a little while, you know, moved to Philadelphia and I was running the fuck it diet business. So I was running workshops. I was like, you know, that's how I was making money. I was writing the book at the mm-hmm. time. And then as soon as I got to Philadelphia, I had these acting contacts there. I got called into all these auditions and I was like, well, I mean, I do like acting and like, I just didn't want to have to like be in New York doing like that, mm-hmm. like incredible grind. So I got a full season of full-time acting work. <laughs> I bought a house. So you were bad at resting. I think is what we're saying. I was, first I was bad at resting. I was bad <laughs> at resting. However, what you said about January reminded me of this, yeah. but because I had the intention, like, and I really did, I had the intention to rest. 
I was very, very, very deliberate with the time that I had outside of all of that. And I said no to so much. And it was hard. Let's talk about the saying no, because I think that one of the biggest reasons that women in particular have trouble with this is that they are not comfortable saying no. Yeah. Right. So we get like, (laughs) (laughs) right. So, right. We get, we, all of our socialization is to like, say yes to everything, to do everything, to always be hustling, to prove our worth, to make everybody else happy, to do Mm -hmm. all the things. Right. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to the place where you were kind of comfortable saying no, or were you just excruciatingly uncomfortable and did it anyway? It was a little bit of both because I actually told, so I was doing this socially and professionally. I was burnt out on both. I needed to seriously do less socially just because I like, I literally did not have the energy. And I was starting to say no to a lot of the freelance jobs that I had taken on out of this scarcity mentality, you know, mm-hmm. of like, well, if I say no to this, then I'll maybe never get another opportunity. Right. So I was very clear. I was very clear that I wanted to change up the way that I was operating and the way that I was automatically saying yes. But when it really came down to it, I did struggle with it. And what would come up was this guilt. Mm -hmm. And so I told myself, okay, the reason I'm giving myself two years is because I have a feeling that it's going to be really hard to get (laughs) used to. And I'm going to, you know, again, it's not going to be lying in my bed for two years. It's going to be me trying to navigate a slightly slower life, but still working, still doing things, still like having to actually like be a person in the world and learning how to say no and being really, really aware of whenever that guilt or that anxiety would come up. It was my almost like healing period to be aware and, and mm-hmm. say, okay, if that comes up, because what I wanted was like peace. I wanted peace mm-hmm. within myself. And when I didn't have it, the question was, why? What do I believe about this random speaking opportunity on mm-hmm. someone's random Instagram page that I don't even know or care about that I don't need to do, that right. I'm feeling so stressed to say no to it? Why do I feel that way? And the answer was usually something like, you know, if you don't take this opportunity, no one's ever going to ask you to do anything again. Or this means that you are not cut out to be mm. successful or you're whatever. All of these things that were keeping me saying yes, filling my time completely and not actually able to take that time to decompress and truly rest and so to become comfortable with doing yeah. that. Yeah. So there's just some, something interesting that's coming up for me, which is I th- this is maybe an aside or it's going to be relevant to some of the audience, but I'm actually, one of the things I'm always like really fascinated by is when a thought that was helpful to get you from one place to the next place then becomes like a plateau that is not helpful anymore. Right. Yeah. And I actually think like some of, as I'm thinking about this, especially as a business owner and what you're describing, it's like some of the thoughts that are helpful when you start out, which is like, even though only 17 people might listen to this, maybe one of them will do something. Maybe this right. will help. Like maybe right. like there is that, I think we talk about this in the context of building a business a lot that like, there is a period during which I do think some hustle is required and the hustle is not, that doesn't mean you should be stressed and shitting on yourself. That's not hustle. Right. right? But like, there is that, like, go out there and keep taking action, even though you're not getting results, like you got to keep going. But I think as you were talking, I was thinking about how today my PR people brought me something that was like, there's this podcast and like, you know, whatever they want to come on your, they want to swap. And it was a smaller podcast. And I am really trying to limit the things I do. And I didn't know them. And there wasn't, you know, it was just random. 
But like, I noticed my brain being like, well, it's X amount of people listen. Maybe one of them will blah, blah, blah. And that thought was so helpful for me in the beginning right. when I did like a hundred podcast interviews in a year and I talked right. to anybody who wanted to talk to me right. because maybe one person was going to tell someone and become a client. But that's not where I am now. Mm-hmm. But you can end up with that. It's like we take what was useful, then we turn it into a should, then we feel guilty that we're not doing it anymore. And then we have to up level our thinking into this like new and different identity. And if you're someone who, like you or like me or like a lot of my listeners, has been like hustling their way to achievement mm-hmm. for so long, right? Mm-hmm. That identity. I mean, I think one of the things my colleague Simone Soul was writing about this recently, and I thought was so true. Like, we think rest is going to feel good. So we're like, it's supposed to be relaxing. Right, and then when it right away, we start hustling. Yes, again. Like, oh, yes. If you've been hustling, rest is going to feel like shit. It's going to feel horrible. Yeah, Especially if be you've been lot. hustling to get away from your own negative self-talk. The minute you sit still, your brain is like, here's something you did in third grade that I think was pretty terrible. And I've been that's, just waiting to tell you about it. That's huge. That's a huge piece. I mean, that's a huge piece of why I think we can become addicted to busyness and addicted to Mm -hmm. filling time, not only because it can lead to, just like you said, you know, I'm so glad that I hustled in the beginning. I'm so glad, like, that's exactly what I was supposed to do at that time. But then I reached that point where I was like, okay, I don't have to right now. And I don't want this to be my mode of operating for the rest of my life. Right. That's not what I want. That's not my goal. I need to reassess. It's, I think it's all about reassessing every so often is what I'm doing still working for me. But this addiction to busyness, I do think is something that we kind of as a culture are encouraged to have. And it's partially because it can lead to lots of opportunities and lots of visibility that like initial, you know, getting yourself off the ground, that initial hustle part that can be so wonderful and important and lead to great things. The other thing is, you know, we're just told that that's the most responsible and wonderful thing to do. Right, it's just get endless a lot of hustle, praise. endless achievement. Yes. There's no yes. stopping point. You just keep going. And then once you've, you know, ruined earth, you go to space. Like you're just right. like exactly. keep going and going. Exactly. So we get all this praise, all this like social cred for like being this person who's constantly busy. And all while we're getting praise, all while getting to avoid all of the shit that we don't want to have to deal with, all the pain that we haven't processed, right. all the beliefs that we have about ourselves that if we get, just like you said, if we get still, they start to bubble up and we're like, no, this isn't good. Again, just like healing your relationship with food. Like food once, totally. once, you ju- once you allow yourself to start eating, you become extremely hungry and you're like, oh shit, this is proof that this is bad, right? This is bad for me. So I should go back to a diet. That's exactly what we do with the emotional side of things or the mental side of things, where if we haven't dealt with it, if we haven't processed it, if we haven't worked through it, it's all there. Yeah. But that's what I think it's so important to keep that front of mind because it requires us to tell ourselves the truth. Like if we believe our own thoughts, and I know you have thoughts about, and I want to talk about like, how you do this when you really do have a big responsibility, like you're, you know, the primary caregiver to a special needs child or something like, but for many of us, we are attached to the idea of being busy. So we don't have to be alone with our own thoughts or think we're lazy. And if we're not honest with ourselves about that attachment, we will just always continue blaming the circumstances and then telling ourselves that we have no volition in it and we can't do anything about it. Right. Right. So we have to be, I think, real about like, what is our, investment in busyness. Like what is our investment in hustle? It's not happening to us. We're doing it most of the time. So 
why are we doing that? But can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, you have thoughts on how to heal from exhaustion when like you and I can be like, well, I kind of run my own show. Let me try to make these changes. Not everybody has that kind of freedom. Right. And that's one of the things, like we're all in a very different situation and you and I are very lucky in many ways that we really can really change our lives to truly be able to rest. Although I want to say also that still is mindset work because you could totally imagine someone in my position being like, oh, I have 10 employees that I have to support. I can't take a month. Like, what are you talking about? Of course I have to keep hustling. These people have 401ks and healthcare plans. And like, I can't, I'm the face of my business and I'm the coach and I'm the brand. And so that's the answer because everyone does that. And does that mean that someone who genuinely is the primary caretaker of, you know, their elderly sick parent or disabled child, does that mean that they have genuinely less time than us? Yes, (laughs) it does. Totally. However, there still is this piece that we have these beliefs about what we are allowed to do. This guilt of, well, when I do take time or when I do find someone to help me and I do take an hour away, like, what am I saying to myself? Do I actually allow myself to relax? And do I actually believe that I'm allowed to relax? Do I actually believe that it's safe to relax? Because that's Do I even know what relaxing is, right? Because one of the things I have been thinking about and working about lately, this is also perfect for us having this conversation now, is like the conflation my brain makes between relaxing and dopamine producing activities, which are not the same Mm -hmm. thing, right? So my brain will say it wants to relax. And then what it thinks that means is like watching on your phone. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, you're scrolling your phone. And that's not like morally bad, but that's just no. not actually the same as relaxing. Right. There's a difference between rest and dopamine seeking behavior. Yes. And like, I think that gets so conflated in our society too. The things we talk about as like relaxation or resting or mm-hmm. fun are mostly just ways of getting dopamine. It's mm-hmm. like shopping, watching Netflix, playing on your phone, right? whatever it is. And so, you know, I really, obviously I think both of those things have their place. Like I think totally, totally (laughs) totally good for you to be able to veg out, turn off your brain, do something mindless, you know, quote unquote, guilty pleasures, all good, all a part of, you know, changing the mode, you know, some people don't even let themselves do that. Some people feel guilty over doing that too. That's something to absolutely unpack. And What so few of us do is truly, truly have downtime where you are not doing anything Mm -hmm. really hard to do. That's when the shit comes up. Yeah. That's when the pain and the emotions will come up. That's when the mind will go nuts and remind you of all the stupid things you've ever done and said. Right. And that's what we're all avoiding, right? So you can like have this time off. I mean, I think one of the things I'm taking away from this conversation that I just want to like you understand, but I want to articulate for everybody is like, there's literally no way to truly rest and restore without dealing with all your negative self-talk. And that's the like, whether you're spending an hour a day on it or an hour a week on it or an hour a month, like whatever the amount of time it is that you're going to spend on this stuff, like you can take time off from work, engage in a bunch. And when I say dopamine seeking behavior, that's not a bad thing. Right. I'm just learning to be clear with myself about which thing I'm doing. Right. Like this is rest time. This is dopamine time. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just two different things. Right. Exactly. But like, there's no way you can take time off, do things that 
distract you from yourself, go back to work. You can be in that cycle forever. You'll never mm-hmm. feel rested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think paradoxically, like one of the things that I always find surprising is like, in some ways, how little, I don't mean to sell this as you only need three minutes a day of rest and you'll feel great. But when you truly rest, it's like surprising how much, even I think a little bit of that, like reinvigorates you. Right. Right. You'll need. I mean, this thing that I started doing when I was going through the fuck diet, and then I continued during my two years of rest was this 10 minute lie down and people mm-hmm. will read it and be like, okay, right. like I don't I'm burnt out. I need more than 10 minutes. Exactly. And yes, you probably do, but it's this time where I try to be very clear. Don't do anything else. It's yeah, just it's not 10, 10 minutes. minutes looking at your phone. Exactly. It's not scrolling in bed. Exactly. It's 10 minutes with your eyes closed breathing, being alive. You will have thoughts. You will have emotions. Sometimes you'll feel great. Sometimes you'll feel horrible. That's all you have to do. People have said, I can't even believe how much it can reinvigorate me. Mm -hmm. I know some people are like, is it okay that I fall asleep for like 45 minutes every time? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, you're really tired. Like that's what that means. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, that's okay that your body is like, your body's smart. It's doing it on purpose, but usually, you know, if that's not the case, people are like, I can't believe it. Like I'm able to get up and keep going and I'm, and I'm okay. So those kind of things can actually help so much. And, you know, rethinking about the way that we go about and reprioritizing and understanding that those little moments of slowing down can really feed us so much. And we're usually not taking them and avoiding it completely. Right. And that's totally what people are like about all sorts of things, right? It's that all or nothing. Like if I'm just going to go for a 10 minute walk, it's not worth it. Right. Right. I'm supposed to be going to Pilates five times a week. So if I'm just going for a 10 minute walk, then fuck it. Right. It's that same mentality Mm -hmm. applied to rest. And I think there are ways in which I think like, yes, it still might be fun to try to take a month off from work sometime or two months or a year. But then there's also ways in which I'm like, possibly if you put down your phone for two hours and just actually like one for two hour walk, you might not need a whole month. Though. Right. Like, you know, there's this sort of like perfectionist thinking of like, it's just the same old diet thinking, right? Of like, okay, so then I need to take a month off where I do absolutely nothing is the same in some ways as like, I need to have the perfect diet. Like maybe right. just lie down for 10 minutes, try exactly. that, see how you feel. Exactly. And that's why when I was like, okay, I'm going to take two years of rest. And the reason that I'm taking a full two years is because I have a feeling it's going to take me a long time to figure it out and to actually work through my shit. And just like you said, that it's a mindset thing. That's what it was for me because I wasn't just lying down. I wasn't just right. doing that. like I've I was, gone to the mountain for two years and I am not interacting with human society. Right. I was trying to figure out what the fuck I was doing to my own self with my own brain. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out because I knew that I had to come back. Like the goal was to like re-enter life with a better like approach, you yeah. know? And in truth, you were like, based on what you're saying, like, two years of rest is like a great sort of phrase and concept, but just the people listening aren't like, no, I can't just take two years off. Like you were working, you bought a house, you moved, you were like, it's not two years of doing a lot of stuff. Yes. Right. It's like two years of Marie Kondo. Yes. (laughs) And so that first year was very busy though. I was doing all these shows, getting home at 11 and people would go out and get drinks. And I'd be like, no, I'm fucking exhausted. Oh, so I actually never answered one of your questions. I literally told my friends, I am burnt out. I am taking two years of rest. I know that sounds ridiculous. I'll still do things sometimes, but if I'm not as social, like, Mm -hmm. please don't take it personally. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I'm really, really tired. So there was this understanding within my personal life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I already said before, but like with any work stuff, it was like, let's 
get quiet and work through this guilt and the stress and these shoulds that are coming up every time I'm, you know, have an opportunity that I have to decide yes or no. Yeah, totally. And I, I actually feel like I'm almost an example. I mean, I obviously like work and work hard despite my brain, what my brain tells me I do, but (laughs) I also have a lot of empty time in my schedule. Like I live alone. I don't have kids. I, you know, make my own schedule, but the truth is like, I can either feel really energized and plugged in, or I can feel totally burnt out depending on the way that I'm thinking about my life and how I'm spending all of that off time. And again, there's both of us would be the first people to be like, yeah, there's no moral weight. Watch Netflix all day. If you want, like every day for a year, if you want, do whatever you want. It's not a moral issue. You have to get through the part where it feels uncomfortable to actually not be doing anything. Right. And I think that one of the reasons we go to those more numbing out behaviors when we're trying to take time off is because we're so uncomfortable resting. Yes. Right. So I feel like the like kind of good, since I like to be kind of concrete takeaway, like one way of summing up some of this is like schedule a small amount of time in your schedule that you're going to literally do nothing Mm -hmm. and do not expect it to feel good right away. Yes. Yes. Don't, it's not going to feel great. It might feel bad for a while. It probably will. It probably will. And that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that you are probably wrong. Not you, like one, all of us, all of Mm -hmm. our brains are like wrong. Just like our brains are wrong about like how much we can get done on a project. If we actually just sit down and work on it for an hour. Right. right? Cause your brain is always like, I need a clear week on my calendar. I need no distress, you know, like, and then in the end it's like 75 minutes of work that you thought you needed the whole week. Right. Right. Like the same is true of anything where we have like big dramatic thoughts about it, like clear a little bit of time, practice a little bit of a time. And when we say rest, we mean, don't look at your phone. Don't look at whatever, like literally do nothing, expect it to be uncomfortable, but be like willing to see what comes up. And then, you know, if you're a podcast listener of mine, then do some thought work on whatever came up afterwards. Like when the 10 minutes is up, go do a thought download, do a model, like see what was going on. But like burnout really is, it's not that it doesn't have physical effects, but it is like a state of mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can yeah. do whatever adrenal gland protocol you want, but if your thoughts are, you know, I'm a piece of shit who's lazy and terrible and I don't deserve to rest, probably not going to solve your problem. That's it. And that's what I came to. I was like, again, I've tried everything. Right. I've tried everything to fix this feeling that I have, this exhaustion that I have. The problem is my mind, the way I'm operating, right. the way I see everything, the way I'm treating myself in my own brain subconsciously, I didn't even realize it was happening. Right. And that is such a parallel to diet culture because the truth is when you look at the world, there are people who are happy and healthy on like every random diet in the mm-hmm. world. And it's all because whatever works for them and their thought process around it, it's not mm-hmm. because there's one correct thing that's going to fix everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Amen. Every time we talk, I did this with <laughs> Carolyn. Actually, they all heard it because we re-released. We released. Oh yeah, I love it. Around New Year's, but it's basically us just being like, "Yes, that," and also, <laughs> I agree with agree. you. Amen again. <laughs> you know that was when you were talking about like, do not expect yourself to overhaul every single thing. Right. Give yourself this the most manageable fantasy. little exactly. things. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. exactly. The other thing, like I just want to say, yeah this like addiction to productivity is, you know, it's like anything, like anything, where's that line between the good thing. And then when it becomes this like problem for you, obviously productivity is a wonderful thing. It feels really good. It's amazing to have goals. All those things are good 
or in the very least neutral, you yeah. know, totally. it's, it's like, like anything you can use it for good or evil. exactly. It's like, when is it running away with you? When are you like letting it destroy you? <laughs> totally. My listeners have heard a million times, maybe like you can make a million dollars, you can do whatever. It's not going to change the way you feel about yourself. That's the, That's the work you got to do from the inside. Yep. All right. Where can people find your book? Is it out? When is it out? Where can it's they get coming it? Coming out February 8th. So February I'm not sure 8th. when this is coming out, but it's coming out February 8th. You can go to the fuckitdiet.com slash tired and you can read <laughs> the beginning. You can get <laughs> it all want. in there. You're like, fuck it, tired and tired. I've always yes, exactly, Just- exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can read the beginning, see if you see if it, you know, jives with you, if see if you like the writing style. And you can find me at the fuck it diet on Instagram. Go buy her book. Got to get those early numbers up. Exactly. Thank you for coming on, Kelly. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. Bye. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.